reach out. Reach out to a family member, a friend, a trusted advisor on an informal level, at a more formal level. Speak to your GP about getting a mental health plan so that you can see a psychologist and reach out to a mental health professional. If you're in an organization, you may have access to EAP, your HR people and other internal support. Hello, my name is Darren Fox, host of the Fast Leader Podcast, and today we are supporting Are You OK Day in Australia with a podcast dedicated to well-being and mental health. This is a really important topic right now, but I have been quite happy to see over the past few years how the stigma of mental illness is disappearing, and we are much more comfortable talking about it in the workplace. Yet some people leaders are still unsure how to bring this topic up with members of their team who may be struggling or even to open up and talk about their own struggles with emotional well-being or mental health. Today, I have two expert guests who are going to give lots of practical advice as to how to look after yourself and to better support your people at a time when challenges to our own mental health are occurring almost on a daily basis. Joining us today for this really important topic are Kim Ambor, an organizational psychologist and owner of Career Power, and Natasha Fauci, founder of the Alchemy Collective, coolest business name I've ever heard, which I thought of it. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Kim, this podcast we're releasing on Are You OK Day in Australia on the 10th of September. And really, this podcast is your idea. You're really quite passionate about mental health and well-being. So I just wanted to explore why is that? Where's that passion coming from? As a psychologist, I'm really passionate about people's mental health and well-being. I'm finding at the moment that people are having maybe their good days, maybe their not so good days. People are walking around at the moment with higher stress levels. People are walking around worrying about jobs and what's happening to their families. And it's affecting the way that they're operating. My role is to help them through that, navigate through the uncertainty and help them become what I call a well-being. We hold their proverbial hand, take them on the journey so that they're feeling well, both mentally and physically. So Tasha, I know that you're in the well-being space. I was just wondering uh, what your definition of well-being is. Yeah, mine's not dissimilar, Kim. So I tend to focus on, because I'm an exec coach, the line that I would use for well-being was actually about people reaching their own potential and being productive and being fulfilled and being able to make a contribution to their community, their family, their workspace, whatever it was. So for me, it's about they're as productive and fulfilled and reaching their fullest potential. Thanks. But whilst we're still in the beginning, to think about right now, there could be a listener who's really struggling at work or or at home and just feels like they're not coping. Now, let's say this person probably only has five minutes to listen to our podcast. What advice would you give them right now? Right now, if they're struggling, I'd say that they're not alone. There are so many people struggling. If we're looking at the stats in Australia, it's about one in four women, about one in five men are experiencing mental health condition at any given stage. So it's quite normal. It becomes an issue is 
if that condition is preventing you from living your life like you would want to be living, preventing you from thriving, if you're too exhausted to get up and get out of bed in the morning, if you're too anxious that you can't leave the house. So if you had five minutes, I would say reach out. Reach out to a family member, a friend, a trusted advisor on an informal level, at a more formal level. Speak to your GP about getting a mental health plan so that you can see a psychologist and reach out to a mental health professional. If you're in an organization, you may have access to EAP, your HR people, um, and other internal support. Tash, what do you think? Look, I 100% agree with everything you've said there, Kim. And I think on top of that, if people are able to bring in and build in some really key simple practices, so being focused on trying to maintain their perspective, staying active, taking 10 minutes each day to maybe do some meditation and mindfulness to sort of slow their mind down, chatting with friends and people that they trust. And I like things like things that break up my normal days. So it could be making a home-cooked meal, which I know we're doing a lot of, especially in Melbourne right now because we're in lockdown. But taking the time to make it with love and enjoy that experience. Put some music on the background and dance while I'm doing it. Maybe read something uplifting or learning something new. I think depending on where you're at, to your point, in the spectrum, if you're more towards not really living your fulfilled life and you need some more structure support, 100% all the things that you refer to. But if you're feeling a little bit that you still can have control and you've got, you know, you're able to manage it and navigate it, I think some of those other tips would be really helpful too. And then to embed them more systemically moving forward. Thank you. No, I'm not unique in this regard, but, you know, I think I'm a fairly optimistic person. And I've actually verbatim been given this feedback word for word that, Darren, you walk around your Care Bear world with your rose-colored glasses. And, uh, you know, I took that as a compliment. But I do know that I can sometimes uh, walk around and ignore those small negative stuff that creeps up on me and it builds and it builds. And before I know it, it's impacting me before I actually have a real sense of that actually is impacting me in a bigger way. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts in terms of some of those signals that people should watch out for themselves and in others that they might be struggling, but not actually admitting to themselves or realizing that they're struggling until it's too late. So Natasha, I thought we'd start off with you. Yeah, sure. So for me, I think there's a couple of things. Look, I've been surrounded by, in my career, family, friends, colleagues, leaders, execs, even myself. I've struggled over the time. So I have some personal experience and also some professional experience in it. And I think the things for me are fluctuations in mood. If I'm noticing either myself or in others that Normally I'm happy-go-lucky or I'm pretty energetic, but all of a sudden I've got low energy levels or I'm more irritable than normal. They seem to be triggers for me and I'm really watching out for those. I think the big thing is sleep patterns. If my sleep pattern is no longer playing out the way that it used to, and I'm a light sleeper normally, so it can be a little bit harder for me to work that out. But if I'm not getting sleep, I'm waking up hazy. I'm not able to function nearly as clearly as I used to. Energy is another one, like how much energy have I got throughout the day and where is it waning if I'm finding that's not the same levels that it used to be. And I think the two key things for me is performance. If my performance level has dropped or I'm noticing I'm not getting things as quickly done or as to the level that I would like or the feedback I'm receiving is not consistent with what I would normally receive. And also for me being I'm a 50-50 introvert extrovert. So I need my downtime to recharge as well as with people, but I'm also outgoing. 
So if I'm pulling away from people and I'm doing that for a significant amount of time, there's something that's not sitting right with me. So that's a bit of a sign for me. Kim, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to echo that. It starts with the little things. It's the not sleeping, memory lapses, making mistakes, feeling jittery, little outbursts of anger when it wasn't really directed at the person. Everybody has what I call sort of a baseline level. And we know how we function normally. When we go off base, then we start seeing, and it starts with the little things, but unfortunately it's like bubbles in a Coke can. The little bubbles, little bubbles, little bubbles add up and then suddenly something pops. So really taking a time to self-reflect around what are the bubbles in my Coke can and what can I do to sort of prevent that Coke can from popping? And I love the metaphor. I think that's a great metaphor, Kim. And I was just going to add... Actually, on Beyond Blue's website, they've got a couple of little like checklists. So people are finding themselves a little under the weather and they haven't quite made it to seeing their GP to get a referral to a, for a mental health plan. And that's what a bit of a sense check. There are some really great self checklists that people can use as a precursor. Good advice. Yeah, absolutely. And while you're on that, there are so many apps that people can use. So you might have heard of Calm, Smiling Minds, Headspace. There's so many ones that people can do that self sort of sense check. And then again, you're absolutely right. On the Are You OK website, Black Dog, there are so many that people can access, all these resources that are out there. Great. Thank you. And I should tell all our listeners that we will provide links to those sites and tools that our guests refer to on our fastly.com website. All right. Thank you both. That brings us to the end of our first part. So we're going to take a quick break. Now we're going to move into a discussion around real mental illness in Australia and the impact that COVID may have had on that. Experts and technical specialists have never been more important or in demand, but that's not reflected in the leadership training they're given. Unlock the business potential of experts with Expertship, HFL's new development program for the individual contributors, technical specialists, and other experts in your organization. If innovation and business agility are important to you, learn more at expertunity.global. Welcome back. So far, we've been talking about people who might be struggling with the day-to-day of life and work, but let's move now beyond that struggle and now talk openly about real mental illness. When is that line crossed, if there is a line? Where would that be in terms of where struggle turns into mental illness? Kim? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we all have our good days and our not so good days. It's that fine line of when are we completely stressed or whether we are having mental health issues. It would need to be formally diagnosed by a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a mental health professional. Generally, as Tash alluded to earlier on, there is a checklist where people would have specific criteria having to last for a specific amount of time and resulting in a specific amount of behaviors. I use the analogy of people are like elastic bands. We stretch outwards, we stretch inwards, depending on what our coping levels are looking like at the moment. And people can stretch to different extents of that elastic. But what we're wanting to do is not let that elastic snap. 
because we all have those thresholds. So if you are feeling like you're stretching towards that end of that elastic, is please go and see someone. Uh, if you're just having a stressful day, finding those coping mechanisms or those self-care strategies to get yourself back into that stretchiness of what you can cope with. Okay, thank you. Tash, what do you think? Yeah, I 100% agree with everything you said, Kim. And, and to add to what I think, what helps with this is if we can start talking about mental health or mental well-being in the workplace as a regular thing, I think that helps reduce the stigma and people then start talking about it more. So whether you want to talk about the mental health continuum and actually talk about that as a group, and then as you're starting to see the early morning signs, to your point, Kim, we're going to have good days, bad days. I call them human days. We all have them. If we're having more non-human days, then there are some warning signs there. But the earlier we catch it, then it becomes easier to become more resourceful as opposed to harder to have the conversations when people are at that other end of the spectrum. They absolutely need support and help, but it's also then how do you reach out to them and they're in a very different state of mind. And so... You need to tread with caution when people are in that state. If we can start having these conversations about mental well-being so much more often, it becomes a norm, then people can confidently say, I'm having a bit of an off day. And it could just be an off day. But then the team can rally around going, well, how can I help? So I just think that makes it an easier conversation. Yeah, I agree. And I, I certainly have seen over the last eight, 10 years that slowly but surely that stigma about talking about mental illness openly in the workplace is being removed. I think there's still some level of it, unfortunately, but it's so much better than it used to be. And there is so much conversation. It does remind me to also think about there's the people who are struggling with mental illness themselves, but there are also people at work who will have a partner, a spouse, or a loved one in their house who might be struggling with mental illness. And that will have an effect on that person, of course. So to be able to even talk about that openly is really important. Moving on, it may be too early days, but has anything been published or that you've seen around the impact of COVID on mental illness? I mean, just how prevalent is it right now? So Kim, what about you? Absolutely. I think I'm probably going to answer that in two parts. Pre-COVID, there was been a lot more research. Just some of the stuff coming through, for example, from say in Australia, was that the average person takes off two days because they've been feeling mentally unwell a year. That's costing the economy $60 billion a year, and it's taking off the equivalent of about 12 million work days in terms of the total economy. With regards to COVID, there haven't been any long-term studies. Obviously, it's been a sort of a too short term. However, Black Dog have said that in times of pandemics, people's levels of stress, depression, anxiety, and ability to cope can fluctuate and increase between 25 and 33%, which is real, real high in terms of statistics. And Black Dog reckon that it is going to have an increase as COVID escalates. Good, thank you. And Natasha? Yeah, look, I think it's way too early for the stats to come out, but the anecdotal feedback is that stress levels are definitely higher, people are struggling, there's a lot of video fatigue. And so what we've done is we've replaced meetings to connect with people with video meetings and we're, we're mentally tuned in, which becomes harder because you're always on. So some of them have now, we've talked about moving towards some phone calls versus video calls, when's appropriate for either. The work days are also getting longer. 
because we're just, you know, we're two steps away from our kitchen or one door away from our kitchen. And so being really mindful around setting boundaries and limits, I think is really, really helpful around when's our start day, start and end. I know myself, I've gone into working eight, nine o'clock at night before I've looked up and gone, oh goodness, it's been a 15, 16 hour work day. You do that enough times and work weekends, you're burning yourself out and your stress levels go up, your mental wellbeing reduces. And so I do think to Kim's point is it's too early for research. The research when it does come out, I think will be staggering. Just the cost of two days alone is huge, let alone people who really do have mental health problems and take you know up to 20 extra days a year. So you think of that cost on the economy and in workplaces. So the more we can start putting some really good structure in place for ourselves, the better. Okay, thank you. On a tangent, you mentioned the fatigue of video. Why is it so much more tiring being on Zoom for four hours? And there's lots of research in terms of what's happening to the brain. Predominantly, it's around your brain is working harder to perceive the same cues about who you're talking to compared to face-to-face. And you're not realizing it, but your brain is, is just working harder to do the same thing. My next question is a quick one. How might people leaders support an are you okay culture in their team? Natasha. So I think what I used to do and what I guide managers in doing now is to actually have the conversations openly. Talk about mental health. Talk about the mental health continuum model. Actually talk about yourself. I think leaders, when they go there first, it's far more empowering for others in the room and it removes the stigma or the potential anxiety around being vulnerable. And so when leaders are vulnerable themselves, it sets up that space for others to do so. So I look at maintaining regular catch-ups with the team, looking out for signs of struggle. So looking out for the body language cues and how people are responding and it can be slightly harder when we're remote working. Regular one-on-ones with team members that are struggling. I actually think regular one-on-ones full stop, maybe a weekly team meeting and a fortnightly check-in. And think about the whole person. It's not just the workspace. To your point, Darren, people are themselves. They bring what goes on at home in the workplace and vice versa. And these days, the two are heavily combined because they're in the same space 24-7. So actually ask about people's lives and then keep an eye out for your own mental health and go there first is what I would say. How about you, Kim? Yeah, absolutely. Darren, I'm just going to add, people don't know how to have those are you okay conversations. There's a lot on the website. And I often use the analogy of knocking on people's door. So if you knock on people's door and you go, hey, how are you going? And you keep knocking. Ah, I sense that you don't seem to be yourself. Knock, knock. Let's go have a cup of coffee. Another little knock. All right. So what's going on for you? And we just gently knock on people's doors and hopefully that they let us in. So for managers, keep knocking at your people's door gently, gently. If they open up to you, great. Just listen. No judging. If they don't open up to you, well, hopefully you guys have got the channels for that in an organization, whether it's your HR, whether you've got access to EAP or other channels. But keep asking the question to others, are you okay? And then a big self-reflection, are you okay within yourself? Because as leaders, it's really important. They've got to put their own proverbial oxygen masks on first before they can help others. Mm. So keep asking the question. Definitely. And I do find that I've got 20 years corporate experience in terms of working in organizational development and L&D, and I've built all these massive frameworks and systems. 
and the surprising and sometimes frustrating thing is uh, you get feedback about what managers really like. But I find what they really like are these simple one pagers of list of questions to ask, whether it's around career coaching or performance discussions, or in this case, around how do I have a discussion around the well-being of my staff? These lists of what questions should I be asking? How do I manage this conversation? And those checklists managers find to be quite helpful. That brings us to the end of part two. Thank you uh, for these great insights. So the next section we're going to move into is ask you both around a personal story about yourself or maybe supporting somebody else through a personal crisis. Are you a frontline leader ready for your next step? Fast Lead Plus is a program of short, sharp, small group coaching sessions to prepare you to take that next step. In a small, tight-knit group, you're coached by an experienced leadership mentor with plenty of time between sessions to practice new skills and tools. Improve your leadership capability and confidence. Learn more at fastlead.com. Welcome back. We often like to finish our podcast with a more personal reflection or story. I'm wondering if both of you could share a personal story about when you overcame a significant personal crisis or share a story about a time when you were able to help someone overcome their own crisis. Natasha? Yeah, sure. So look, I've got plenty of stories to choose from, but I thought what might be relevant is actually one that relates to the workplace for our listeners. So In my corporate career, there are a number of occasions where managers and leaders would come to me, peers would come to me asking for support because one of their team members was no longer performing the way they expected. And when we looked at that person's history, they had previously performed really well. And in this particular case, this individual had performed well, but had been moved into a new role, didn't really have the skill sets for that new role, hadn't been really upskilled. The lines of um, work duties weren't clearly defined And then as a result, on top of that, not only were they not performing, they were turning up late, leaving early, quite irritable and being quite absent when they were there. And so as we started to dig a bit deeper and try to connect with the individual, all of a sudden we kept getting roadblocks around, oh, you can't speak to me, you need to speak to my advocate. And the advocate was just a friend from another organisation. And after some time, we got to a point where we said, look, we really want to work with you to understand how we can support you what is it you need from us? And we're happy to work with whoever you want. And of course, we needed permission because we ended up working with this person's psychologist. What came through was this person was suffering from mental health anxiety and wasn't coping very well. And the medication she was on, she had started to self-medicate differently. And it was playing out in the workplace. What was great is by having a three-way, well, actually a four-way conversation, because we had the manager, myself, the psychologist, and the employee is what I would get the different perspectives of what was going on in the room, which often is really quite powerful. If you think about a three chairs model, looking at it from different perspectives, brilliant. Then we're able to build a plan because we all know, and Kim could talk to this probably at nauseam with her background, that if we are able to get people back in a safe and concerted structure way back in the workplace, they recover far more quickly they feel like they can contribute and they feel valued, but you need to do it in a way that works for the individual with, with an appropriate plan. And so we did that. It took six months and there were some hiccups along the way, as you would expect. 
the, the end result though was that this person came good. This person then got the skill set they needed. They got the upskilling. The role clarity happened. The medication was working really well. She was able to wean herself off in those six months because of the strategies the psychologist had taught her. And she became a fully functioning, really fulfilled employee that was delivering. And I think it just goes to show that it takes time. And I think managers need to understand, especially in a fast-paced world that we live in, you need to have patience, you need to have compassion, and you need to be consistent with the support you give people. Yes, you need to have some boundaries around what is not and what is acceptable behaviour, 100%, and clear those up really early on. But if you keep thinking about the end goal, which is you want a productive and healthy and fulfilled workforce, because that gives you a really good outcome as an employer, then everybody wins. And I think that worked really, really well. But it took six months and it took a lot of coaching of all concern to make sure we got to the end result that we needed. But it was a really great outcome. Great. Thanks, Natasha. It's a great story. Kim? Yeah, look, I want to share one, and it's a slightly different one to Natasha's, and I think it's quite prevalent at the moment. It does concern domestic violence, which is a very sensitive topic. Unfortunately, we're seeing a rise in domestic violence, potentially because people are in lockdown, they can't get out of their houses, both partners working from home, etc. I have been counselling someone recently, so it's a very sort of new story. There is a history of domestic violence. We didn't know this at the time. It wasn't disclosed up front. She was missing a lot of work, not switching on the camera when it was Zoom. So the team perceived that uh, she wasn't involved in the team. She was finding excuses to not be on camera or anything that involved any social aspect. Working with her, uh, started uncovering that there were issues of domestic violence. It wasn't as much as the physical abuse. It was more the emotional abuse, which sometimes is harder. The physical abuse, you can see the bruises and the broken bones, but the emotional abuse, you can't see those internal scars. And unfortunately, I think that is on the rise at the moment. So working with her to deal with this concurrently managing all the pressures from the workplace. So for those managers out there, just a heads up in terms of if your people are not switching on their cameras, there might be a bigger story behind it. And just dialing up that empathy and support for all of those who are in stressful situations at home. Thanks, Kim. And thanks for sharing that story. It's very important. Okay, before we sign off, I was wondering if uh, both of you would like to just say a few words about the services that your two businesses provide. So, Natasha, the awesome business name, Alchemist Collective. Yeah, thanks. I'm actually pretty chuffed with that name. Thank you. So I'm a, a certified executive coach and master NLP coach and facilitator with 23 years of corporate experience. And two years ago, I established the Alchemy Collective. And essentially, we're a HR consulting firm. We focus on strategic HR, culture, leadership development. And we primarily focus on developing the key people skills and behaviours that leaders need to lead their teams. So mindsets and behaviours that assist organisations to adapt and grow through change. And that can also include emotional intelligence, resilience and, and well-being. So they're kind of the areas that we focus on. Thank you. And Kim, career power. 
Yeah, Career Power, we are a group of psychologists. So a mixture of clinical psychs, educational psychs, organizational psychologists. We help people in the workplace. We're doing a lot of mental health and well-being counseling. Check us out on the website with regards to our services regarding counseling. When we're not counseling, we are doing executive coaching facilitation across a spectrum of soft skills training. Thank you to you both, Kim and Natasha, for joining us on this very important podcast for Are You OK Day? Yeah, thanks, Darren. It was a great honor to be here today. Thanks, Darren, for the opportunity. We'll talk to our listeners next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fast Leader Podcast. I'm Darren Fox, Chief Research Officer and Principal Consultant at HFL. You can email us at info at fastly.com with any questions. We'd love to hear ideas about topics for future podcasts. You can also check out the Fastlead website, fastlead.com, for supporting material from this podcast. Watch out for our future podcasts as we explore each of the 14 Fastlead topics in more detail and discuss some of the latest management research, news, and topical issues of the day. And until next time, this has been the Fastlead podcast. Thank you. Thank you.